Welcome to Hollywood. Hollywood Video. Welcome to the Hollywood Video Guys podcast. We are happy to have everyone with us today. I am your one of your co-hosts, Mike. This is uh, we have Don. Say hi, Don. Hi, everyone. And Randy. How's it going, everybody? All right. And yeah, we're just a couple of guys who worked at Hollywood Video for a while. We love movies. We love talking about movies. And that's what this podcast is going to be mainly about, is us as uh, former employees of a video store who our job was to recommend movies to people that would come in. We're going to do the same thing with our listeners. And this is going to be kind of a special show in which, since it's our first episode, we're going to talk more about how we became employees at Hollywood Video, what we thought of our time there, and uh, what, you know, just the, the idea of a video store in general and what that, you know, not having that in our lives and how, what that means now. So um, we're going to go in chronological order from who started first to who started last. And some of the things we'll talk about is like what made you want to work there? Um, why, you know, what was your time like there? What did you do? Those kind of things. And um, so if we're going with oldest to youngest, then we'll go with uh, Don uh, first, because he was our first person to be employed at Hollywood Video. So Don, you're just going to tell us like what, you know, how you started there, what, what made you want to work there? And uh, what do you think of your time at Hollywood Video? All right. Well, uh, this would have been around December 2003 when I first started working there, which is Pretty incredible because we're going to talk about us, but in general, it's let's really just not overstate or understate the fact that we've had uh, 20 years of friendship here. This blossomed from a video store. That's true. Right? It's a pretty, it's pretty incredible that you know a lot of people they may not have friends they've known for you know more than half our half their lives. Um, but anyway, I started working there because uh, it was my first job. I was 18, just out of out of high school, and I did the whole you know I'm going to take a break and not go to college thing, which lasted I think uh, I don't know like more like four or five years instead of just like a semester. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, I, I applied and then I got hired as my first job. And really I worked there because I wanted to work at Blockbuster. That was really the first um, choice. And then uh, Hollywood was the one who, take, who took me. I got interviewed there and then got hired. Um, and then within like a couple of weeks, Mike, I want to say you started because uh, I was like right at the end of 03 before we transitioned to the new store, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I never worked... Maybe I worked one day or two at the the other store before we went to our new store. But I don't think so now that I think about it. I think I may have never worked or I think I might have only worked at the the store we the the new store we worked at. Like I don't No, you def I remember you definitely worked at the the first store we worked yeah, at because like I, that's where week. I had met you originally. Yeah, I think you're right. For like a week. It was uh, really short. Yeah, 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 yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, we were asked to go to the store cuz it was closer to both their houses at the time where we were living. Yep. Yeah. Right, and then we decided to, to take that because it just made more sense of the driving. You know, fifteen minutes it was like a five minute drive. Yeah. So okay, so you started working, and how long were you at the Seaside store for before you went to the? Oh, it, was it was literally like two or three months. Like we had started there in December, and I think by February or March, you know, they told us the store was opening, and we ended up working in PG, and I got the transfer. Yeah. Right. And again, like that's where uh, I think you and I started to become more more friends at that point because mm-hmm. we were obviously working together. We're just hired together as like the where I think the word they called them um, GSRs, right? GSRs, <laughs> guest service representatives. That was our oh, first yeah. job. It was it was ridiculous. Uh, so yeah, it was it was us more getting to know each other. And plus, you know, we were we were also talking about movies because that's really why we started working this because we we loved movies and grew up with them, you mm-hmm. know, just like everyone else did at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I think you and I especially both had like very similar tastes in movies. We both had the same ideas of movies. Like we both liked the same kinds of movies. We both liked the same genres of films. Uh, and, and in general, like we weren't we weren't we weren't like art artsy 
uh, movie guys. You no, know, definitely not that age. Uh, yeah, not, not you know, we've definitely grown into our sensibilities more. We were more action oriented, comedy, those kind of things. But we we did have like a really strong sense of like what we liked and what we didn't. Um, and I think that really did help us when we did recommend movies to customers. Um, so what did you think of working at Hollywood Video in general? It was a great job. I mean, you know, for your first job, it's it's like it was, it's really all you could ask for. It's like, you know, you got your free rentals, you got your free game rentals. You know, I didn't know what good pay was at the time. Yeah. It was like, I think it was like 825 or something obnoxious, something insane now. But, you know, it was your first job. You're really like, I just took whatever I could get at the time because I had applied at so many places. I remember applying at Circuit City and they denied me. And I was like really upset about that. Yeah. They sent me a nice little card in the mail saying we, uh, we've chosen their candidate, you know. Um, <laughs> and it's not you. And it's not you. <laughs> You were not good enough to work at Circuit City until two years later. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was a fun job. You know, I went up. You know, I ended up going to to be a shift lead there, and then That's assistant right. store manager. And I thought I was you know top of the crop, so to speak, where I just thought I was like on top of the world with money coming in. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yep. Yep. Uh, yep. But it was a really fun job. Like there's always the noises, like anything else. It's like you know you got to meet a lot of cool people, a lot of customers who you know shared the same passion you did as movies. And again, like it was it was just cool to just hang out and just kind of you know. Yeah, bounce movies off each other and like would recommend stuff. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then I started working shortly after Don. Uh, I being Mike, and I was kind of in the same boat where I had been looking for a job for a while, like for like six or seven months, and I kept getting no's. And it was pre financial crash, so there was like not that many jobs to be had at the time. Like it was pretty, you know, it was a pretty full job market, um, and. And as a kid with no experience, like nobody wanted to hire you because uh, every kid's trying to get a job. So I tried Blockbuster and I didn't get it. And I tried um, like a grocery store and didn't get that. And I did some odd jobs like I, you know, did yard work and things like that for people around the neighborhood to get money. But I was like really needed money. I was just, just desperately needing money. So I um, saw that they were hiring at Hollywood Video in Seaside and that they were going to be opening up a whole new um, a whole new thing store where we lived so i went and applied and i got it and it was my first job ever and i i honestly loved it i really did i thought it was um really one of the best jobs that i ever had i think a lot of that had to do with the like where i was too like i don't have any responsibilities there i didn't if i messed up it wasn't the end of the world i didn't have anybody that i was responsible for um and in general like i just felt like it was a very easy to, like it was a job that was very easy to do and also very fun and i got to check out rent up three movies a day which was sweet and uh video games as well was it one video game at a time no I, I think it didn't matter I just i think the only the only three, yeah the three only whatever whatever combination the only limit we have is like it had to be i think at least a week old or something like that because all i did yeah. Like, they didn't want yeah, yeah especially for the games because they, they had fewer copies out but i also didn't want you renting out movies so customers couldn't have them right anymore. right yeah. and like getting to see the movies before they came out was always cool like oh yeah we get the shipments early. yeah, yeah you're right forgot about that yeah the pre-streets yeah we get we would get movies uh, obviously, we would get them in before we we let them go out. Then on the was it Mondays or Tuesdays? Tuesdays. Uh, it was Tuesdays. Yeah. But we, yeah, we had to set up the wall on Mondays. Yeah. But if we were lucky, like we get the the FedEx shipment before that. Yeah. So we would get it in on like a Friday or a Saturday, and you were allowed to rent them because you wanted to be able to promote them for customers or talk to customers about like what the movie's like and things like that. So they would give you uh, time to watch these movies early. So I always got to see movies before they came out on video, which is always really cool. Um, but I really, I always enjoyed my time there. I enjoyed it less before I left. It got, 
it got really difficult and not like not fun to work at anymore. And that's when I left. But my first year there, I only have good memories of working there. Yeah. Where I was like, this place is great. Like I really like it. I was very new to working and responsibility, which is great because I didn't know how to handle that at all. And it was a perfect job when you don't know how to handle responsibility. Um, and yeah, and then, and then uh, this this schmuck started working right after. <laughs> when did you start working? I started working in early 2005. Uh, video. This schmuck being Randy, by the way. But Hi. yes, yeah, Hi, everybody. <laughs> it's endearing. Yeah, it's not. It's not in any way. Yeah, terrible it's, word, it's right? a term of what you would call the breakout character of this group. Yeah, uh, <laughs> for sure. And that's Randy. So, how did you start? When did you start? Oh, I started. What was it? February or March? Of I think it was February. I think yeah. it was February. It was pretty early in the year. Yeah. Yep. I just remember walking into applying and then seeing Mike, and I'm like, hey, I know that guy. Like, I went to school with him. I'm pretty sure he came to a Halloween party where there was <laughs> kids that were too young to watch any horror movies. All so we watched unfolded. Lions King 2, Simba's Pride. Lions King 2, Simba's Pride. I will never forgive him for that. It's not my fault. We had horror movies planned. They got changed by parental figures at the last moment. I got yeah. tricked into watching Lion King 2 at, uh, at a Halloween party. I think it's been 20 years, or I don't know how old that movie is. I still have not seen that movie. More than 20 years, more than 25 years, probably. As far as Disney sequel goes, it's not bad. It's all um, right. Simba's Pride. That tier list is pretty <laughs> snug, so I don't, I don't know yeah, how yeah, much yeah. wiggle room you got in there as far as it being good. Anyway, okay, so you, uh, when did you start, like, actually get hired? What Do you remember what year? It was, it was 2005. Okay, 2005. I definitely remember that. Summer or winter? It was, it was like February. February 2005. And then you worked for how long? Oh, I was only there for a few months at first because right. then I was moving back to the state. And then later on in the next year, I moved back for good and started re- re- rehired there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when did you get rehired? Oh, it was probably 2006. So, okay. It was in like February again? Yeah, or? It was, I can't really recall, to be okay. honest. And then how long did you work there for? When did you actually stop working? I don't know. It must have been about a year. Yeah. Because you, you were still there. Were you there when it shut down? No. Okay. No, I was no. not there when it shut down. Because he, remember, because he was, I, don't, I forgot how long you were at Hollywood, but then eventually uh, I got you guys with me at Circuit City. Yeah, we all started right. Right? So failed businesses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we were like the black widows of yeah. business, barely. Yeah, we killed Hollywood, we, like, we killed Circuit City. Yeah. What else is your business teetering we on the brink? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you just want to get We're available. Yeah, if you want to get into that chapter 11 right away, like hit us up. We we know what we're, we're doing. We're good at liquidating. Yeah, we're good at it. Yeah, I want to say you might have started Circuit City. It must have been like late 2006 early 2007 because you were there yeah. a while. I was there until, a while. And then until and then it all until shut it all down. Yeah. yeah, we both we all were until the, until it went down. And you were I mean, you were at Hollywood Video after both Don and I left. Correct. Yeah. Um, Those were the uh, the dark times. Yeah. (laughs) What did? uh, How did you like working at the store? What did you like? like Oh, I I loved it. I mean, it was it was one of those uh, just those professions when you know you as a small child and you go to the video store. It's the greatest thing, and you're thinking if I could live my life working here, that would be great because you have no concept of how much it pays. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure. You want the prestige of the job in the company, but you know to talk movies all day and look at movies and rent movies for free. Who wouldn't want to do that? Yeah, it's pretty awesome. It's definitely a, uh, it's a job that no longer exists. At least I don't think it exists. Or if it does, it's in like a very it's small minority. It's in Bend, Oregon. Yeah, with blo- that blockbuster. No, I thought they shut that one down. Did finally, they? I think they did, man. Um, Didn't really make sense. No, I thought it was more I of a museum. They were still going because they they had it up during the pandemic with an Airbnb gimmick. But it kind of like I don't know. I could I could see. No, I couldn't. I, could, I was going to say I could see them being open now, but there's really like no reason. It just doesn't have an. It doesn't have a point of existing anymore because nothing that is happening 
you can't solve on the internet. No. Well, <laughs> and it's also just a nostalgia bomb. That, that's yeah. really what that pla- that's really why that place still exists. The well, we, and we've talked about this in the past, but I think one of the big like selling points for um, if it ever existed again is the limitation of choice, which I think that choice, which our generation has grown up with the most choice as you know, now the next generation has even more choice, but still like we have given a lot of choice and that can be overwhelming. The amount of choices that you have at your disposal can be almost crippling. And one of the nice things about like a movie uh, rental place was that you were limited. You had a lot to choose from, but you still were limited. If you, you know, if they didn't have it, you couldn't get it. Um, So that did make your, you know, your options less and made your choices easier. So I think that maybe the only like really redeeming quality of something like that is the limitation of choice. Also, once you know you picked something, you're married to it. That's it. Yeah. You're going home. You know what you're doing that night. You're watching that movie. You can start something on Netflix and get five minutes in and be like, oh, you know, I, I got to attend to this thing real quick. I'll come back to this. And then you never do. Yeah. But if you had a rental movie, you're probably going to find a way to finish that and yeah well yeah and you're not you're probably going to put away your phone a little more you're like want to pay exactly. attention because you know you, you put money into this and if you well, even have a phone back then yeah what are you doing paper. playing snake <laughs> yeah put, <laughs> put away your sidekick it's too. also different too because back then it felt like uh you know like on the rental shelf people you know all the students were competing for like what cover was going to grab you right because the other thing too is you're not going to go you're going to browse first, yeah. look at what cover interests you, and then read the back and read read the synopsis they've written on the back, right? Yeah. Whereas now it's like you're you're doom scrolling for who knows how long, right? Yeah, you have the, the paralysis of choice here. Yep. Where it's just you can't sell on anything. But it's like when you were walking through a store, it's like, well, you had to sell on anything or you're walking out with nothing. And you you, know? yeah, and as a kid, your parents would be like, all right, pick something or you're not getting anything at all. And then that's when you really start figuring out like what you want. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, oh, no, I got to figure this out now. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think all, in general, we all enjoyed working there until we didn't. Is that like the best way to describe it? I think that's with right. any job. It's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's probably the first lesson we got in working yeah. at a job until you don't like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's that's kind of our story of how we started working at this place and what you know what led to us being kind of lifelong film buffs. I think we all liked film before we started working there, but I would say being exposed to so much cinema from that store like really opened my horizons to what movies could be and like how to critically think about movies, which I don't think I really did as much when I was younger, but when I was able to get like three movies at a time and I could watch whatever I want, yeah. I watched so many things that uh, in general, I probably would have never watched, but also just things that like really opened my eyes to what filmmaking is and how, like how it's an actual art form instead of just, you know, just this thing that I watch when I'm bored. So that's going to kind of segue into our next section here, which is our movie recommendations. Now, usually how this would work is that we would have a category of movie or a type of uh, restriction to the type of movie we're looking for that we're going to recommend. For this one, though, kind of going with the theme of our first time at Hollywood Video, we decided to think about movies that we would have never watched unless we were working at Hollywood Video or until we worked at Hollywood Video. These are movies that weren't on our horizon for whatever reason or maybe we weren't exposed to them we didn't hear about them and then we when we were working at our the store we were able to borrow these movies uh, rent them and then watch them and and it would never happened if we didn't so we each picked a single movie that we uh, for the most part had only heard of or were, were only able to watch uh, because we worked at Hollywood video and um, 
any order we want to go in, do you guys have a preference for who you want to go first with each movie? Uh, we can talk about e- either one of them. We have three again that we're gonna we're gonna dissect a little bit of it. Talk about like what the movie's about. Try to be as as little spoilers as possible. But there might be some spoilers in here. Just know if you haven't seen these movies yet, there might be some light spoilers. But we'll try to keep them as less spoilery as possible. Some of these movies, it's that we're going to talk about it's it's pretty much impossible to talk about them unless we spoil it a little bit because one especially yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. where you just you just can't really talk about it without spoiling it so just be warned and we'll talk we'll we'll give you a little bit of a spoiler warning before but just know that like all three of these movies for the most part you really can't talk about them unless you spoil a little bit of it because it's just uh the just the way that those movies are there's no way out you know you can't get out of the city believe me i've tried you murdoch aren't you the one they've been looking for. Who are you? Used to be a cop. At least, in this life I was. They steal people's memories, you know. Then they swap them around between us. I've seen them do it back and forth, back and forth, till no one knows who they are anymore. Alright, so the first one we're going to talk about today is uh, 1998's Dark City. Uh, this movie was actually recommended to me by a customer at the time. Um, can't recall his name. Uh, but it's a 1998 neo-noir film. The reason the, the customer recommended it to me initially was because uh, I was I, I was and still am a huge fan of The Matrix. Um, and he says, well, if you like The Matrix, you'll probably like this since it actually uses some of the same sets as that movie. Uh, so really, sort of the, the synopsis of the movie is that um, a man wakes up in a hotel bathtub with no memory of how he got there, who he is, and he finds a murdered woman in the room. Uh, he's contacted by a doctor played by Kiefer Sutherland, Dr. Daniel uh, Schreiber. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> a fun name to say, I guess. Uh, and he's told that he's wanted for the murders in the city and he's to leave the hotel as a, a group of pale men in trench coats are looking for him. Uh, so this man discovers that his name is actually John Murdoch and he's played by Rufus Sewell. Um, the most recent example I could think of Rufus Sewell was uh, The Man in the Castle, which is a really great show on Hulu. That's right. Man in High Castle. Man, Man in High Castle, Castle. excuse yeah. me, yeah. He was also in the uh, John Adams miniseries on HBO, but I don't really remember him from much else. I, was I forgot about talking that show. To, yeah, I was talking to Randy about it, and I was like, I don't really remember him from much. Uh, he was. He seems to be more relevant now than he was back then. Yeah. yeah um, I, but anyway, anyway, so so Rufus Sewell plays John Murdoch, um, and he has no recollection of any of the murders or really any of his memories. Um, and he, as he's going through the city, he's trying to piece together his past. And he, he ends up encountering that group of pale men. They're wearing these trench coats and they're actually called uh, strangers. Um, and then he finds out that these, these beings of sorts uh, have a way to manipulate the city and its citizens using an extreme, or excuse me, an extraordinary power uh, called tuning. And uh, they're after John, but it's like initially has really no idea why he's after him. And it turns out it's because John can also tune. Um, and so the whole movie is really just John going through the city trying to figure out who he is, why the city you know, is always at nighttime, why no one can recollect on how to get to a place called Shell Beach. So the whole entire movie is set to where, it, as you're going along, it's kind of unraveling the whole plot in, into you know, what you're trying to figure out what John is. Yeah, yeah, good, yeah, good, uh, good job, plot synopsis. That's exactly kind of how I remember it, too. Um, it so what what was like your favorite scene in the in the movie that you remember? Well, there's I mean there's a point in the in the movie where 
and this is starting in the spoiler territory where yeah, that's right. spoiler that's alert. The thing. So, yeah. it's, it's really towards the end there's a point where you really discover what shell beach is yeah of all three movies this is the spoileriest movie we'll talk about because it's 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 just you can't talk you can't about, talk about it without, without it's really difficult it yeah it's just the, the whole, themes of the movie in general yeah have to do with the plot so we're just gonna just you know fair warning um but yeah go ahead okay go ahead. yes yeah, so so there's it's sort of towards the climax in the movie but essentially John and uh, you, also there's a character in the movie, um, the detective and his wife. They essentially okay, go find John out. John Hurt. John, and, huh? no, it was uh, William Hurt. William Hurt and Jennifer Connelly. And Jennifer Connelly, yes. Uh, it was Emma and um, I forgot the cop's name. Remember. Yeah, Detective Summer. Detective Summer. I, I, anyway. I wrote down on my notes, Detective Exposition. <laughs> because he's like, the, he's like the sounding board for all the exposition in the movie. Anytime that anything needs to be explained, it's either the main character or this detective that gets like all the exposition thrown on him. Bumstead. That was the detective's name. I, I just watched this last time and I forgot. It's awful. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so there's a scene where they, they you know, hold the whole impetus for, for John's memories and some of them is that he sees Shell Beach in his head. And he's trying to figure out how to get there, and no one can tell him how to get there. But he has this yeah. very vivid memory of where Shell Beach is and what it looks like. Yeah, people like know about it. They know about it, and then he'll be like, "How do you get there?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, you just take a right turn at a, or is it a left turn?" And then nobody knows how to get to Shell Beach. Nobody. Everybody's heard of it. Everybody. Everybody thinks they know how to get there, and when they start trying to explain where it is, nobody knows how to get there. Yeah. So then once you get to the reveal of. of what Shell Beach is, that's literally when the whole movie breaks open and, you, and the whole mystery is sort of solved. Like, the, the the movie sort of sets these breadcrumbs along all the entire way to let you know, of like, where they are, what the city is, why it exists. And then that point where they discover Shell Beach is really where everything just kind of hits you right in the face of what you've been watching. Yeah. Is that the scene with the detective and the the um, one of the strangers, like, when they fly through the, the wall? Uh, no, the that's well reveal. after that. Yeah, oh, okay. well, no, you're right. It is after. Yeah, it is when they fly through a wall. Yeah, you're correct. That big reveal. That yeah. was that was my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah, because that was like the that was like the oh, the you know, the big O moment where you're like, oh man, that's what this is. You think it's something. You're like, okay, maybe they're on Earth, but they're in like some kind of secluded city, or maybe they're in purgatory. And then when that reveal happens, you go like, oh, this is pretty cool. Actually, this is yeah. a cool idea. And that and that's I mean that's really one of the biggest why I, I love this movie. And it's actually um, upon rewatching, I haven't seen it in like seven or eight years. I think I want to say, yeah. uh, but I actually enjoyed it a lot more this run through than I did even previously because yeah. I started to. It's, it's just like when you watch Fight Club for the first time. Right. You watch it, you get your moment of the big reveal, and then you watch it over again. You catch all these little details, and you see all these small things that the that uh, all these small details in the city that they leave. Like there's business cards, but they have no state or city on them. Right. Yeah, they just yeah, have yeah. an address in the city. Yeah. So it's like it's it. You want you're not actively looking for those kind of things but after you watch it again you pick up on those things and everything else starts to make sense absolutely what did you think of the movie uh, i was not the biggest fan of the movie i did not hate the movie i felt that you know i appreciated the noir aspect of it i felt like it was a 1980s movie that was made in 1997 and it showed at certain times uh and i think it would have been better off if it was made in the 80s and be a little more celebrated. That being said, there's a lot to say about this movie. Yeah. <laughs> the, I mean, just the, the whole idea of identity is heavily prevalent in this. And also the, um, 
the prevailing theories of like body theory, soul theory, consciousness theory. Yeah. What side does this movie take? In, well, individuality. That, yeah, yeah it's like, individuality versus collectivism. Yeah. It's really what it is, right? Exactly. Because you, as the story unfolds, you start to find more things about the strangers, yeah. and they're really just this sort of collective hive mind, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, right, but also what I'm thinking about, just imagine the uh, the hotel manager. The, oh, yeah, at yeah. the beginning of it yeah all of a sudden he's at the newsstand yeah. is he now the newsstand guy or is he really the hotel manager on the inside well and that's the th- like that's what what side do you take no and one, what side does the movie take well i think the thing that they kind of get to is that no one like no one identities no identities matter where they're at because they get changed consistently throughout the movie everybody's like backstories character you know arcs all of that gets changed throughout the movie so there's no like actual identity except for what was it what was the main character's name john it was john murdoch john murdoch yeah. he's like the only one who probably has a real identity especially at the end when he's shaping the world to how he wants it well and, and that's the thing is there's this whole subtext about like you said right about individualism and collectivism and really the the idea when these uh the strangers tune the city is they're literally changing everything down to the citizen like what their you know occupation is what they look like what their social status is and that's the thing is like because they're sort of manipulating these people's memories, no one really knows who they are. Like the, the idea of the movie, and in some cases they even mention it, where it's like, are people, you know, sort of a collection of their own memories? Is that what makes you an individual? Yeah, right? exactly. Well, and, and consciousness theory is the most uh, credible one. Yeah. But like I said, this movie doesn't really seem to make clear which side they're taking in that respect for me. No. Yeah. Well, one of the things I was going to say too is that the tuning scenes. The parts where the the strangers and um, the main character are, are tuning the city are actually really good, really well done. Like when For they're the changing, time. like yeah. when they're changing the buildings around and stuff. That's so cool, and like the way they do all of that is really interesting. Uh, but there's like parts of this movie that aren't very good, like. For example, Kiefer Sutherland is not great in this movie. It's he's, he's one of my complaints. He reminded yeah. me of the doctor from uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Like he has the same and he talks like this. Yeah, he has oh, this very exasperated. Yeah. yeah, it's almost like he's taking breaths after each word. Yeah, and it, this is Kiefer. Oh, sorry. This is Kiefer after his movie career has kind of gone downhill before twenty, like right before twenty four. It was a few years like a, before like twenty, a like couple four years. years before. It was more yeah. he just kind of faded. But into this is when his yeah. This is yeah. this is after he's done being a leading man. He's kind of ended that zone and he's doing a lot of like features supporting on movies, supporting, supporting roles, roles uh, like background characters a lot because um, it's it's like his teenage years have done and, and Lost Boys phase is over and he hasn't hit 24 yet so it's a really weird part of like Kiefer Sutherland's acting career but he's terrible in this movie like he's just he, he's really not, not good that, he's it's the thing there's, there's, there are some soft spots in the movie and there's things that you can kind of forgive right? Yeah. especially for the time because it was 98 it's probably filmed in like 96, 97, you know, earlier than that. It was also done by uh, Alex Proyas, who did The Crow. Yep. So that's the thing is this movie ha- is like dripping with atmosphere. Yeah. And, and, you know, aesthetic. But it does look and sound very much like The Crow. So if like if you're not a fan of The Crow, you, there's a lot you may not like in this movie. Yeah. Uh, but I agree. I, I think he was saying like, He's a, he's a fantastic actor most yeah, of the time, he's great. but I, love but him. I really just hate this exasperated, almost like staccato verbalizing he's doing. Like, you know, just when they did this, yeah. it's like it just it's gets just too ridiculous. much sometimes. Like he's trying to tell you something, but he can, literally cannot get the words out it, to tell you. It's like he's having a panic attack the entire movie. And yeah, it just gets really old. Really I mean, quick. given his circumstance, I can kind of buy that. Yeah. And he think, is absolutely in state of panic at all times. Yeah. and I think that's kind of how they justify it. Is that like he's a. Um, you know, he's he he works with the strangers, is what we'll say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's so he's, a he's human probably who works been with through a few things, and he's probably been tortured. Who knows what else? But 
Yeah, even without justification. It looks like he's probably has gone through some. Yeah, he might have some experiments. Uh, That was the most confusing moment when his glasses got knocked off. Oh yeah, and like all of a sudden, I'm like, what? What? What happened to his eye? It's like now he looks. What? Crazy. I kind of thought that um, the scene where and they never address it. It's just there. Yeah. I kind of thought when he dropped his glasses, it was a reference to the uh, the Twilight Zone episode. Oh yeah. I forgot what it was called. The man with the book or whatever. Yeah, it had Burgess Meredith. Yeah. But yeah, he he dropped his glasses and it just he just finally had some time alone with his books. Yeah. Yeah. Um, time at last. Is yep, what it that's was. what it was. That's time right. at last. So great episode. Some of the notes I put down that we haven't really talked. About, we talked about Kiefer being like ridiculous in this movie, and again, he reminded me of the Mad Scientist from Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, kind of the same way, same look too, almost. I said Dark City is right. There's, it's actually really hard to see some parts of the movie, especially the exterior scenes. Yeah. Um, but the uh, the set design is awesome. Like the Art Deco scenery and like the um, the like the whole Art Deco look, that 40s and early 30s or late 30s, early 40s style is really cool. Kind of that like um, Batman the animated series kind of look. Yeah. Um, that's really cool. I really like that. Uh, I really like the tuning stuff. I thought that was cool. There's there's a scene where um, uh, John's running away from from the bad guys, from the strangers, and he's got like one on his tail. And the way he gets rid of them is he takes two buildings and tunes them so that they both smash into each other, and you just see like a yeah. bucket of blood fly it, in the air. It just looks like really cheesy, but it's also like it's an so incredibly cool. satisfying, yeah, and great scene. It's so yeah. cool. I was like, that's what I would do. Yeah, that's what that's how I get away. Um, so that was really cool. I thought all the tuning scenes were really cool. The ending fight without giving too much spoilers away is Oof. absolutely ridiculous and Oof. like it got it got into i was like this is just silly now like the way they did it it just what they wanted to do and the abilities of the time they were in was just not allow them to do like do it well it just couldn't yeah. be done well that's the thing is they had all these really great looking sets but you know i don't know if you guys caught this maybe it was just me but most of the camera shots are really focused, right? They don't really do these vast open scenes. Everything was like really tight and small. It's like, it's probably indicative of, you know, what the budget was and what they had for sets. Cause I can't imagine this movie was, you know, had a whole ton of money to do anything with. Yeah. But it did, it did, the end did kind of, I don't want to say fell apart, but it did start to get a little bit more cheese than they needed to, and a little bit preachy, especially with sort of the very end, right? Yeah, like it yeah. shows its age. Yeah, I don't want to get in the, the you know explicit spoilers, but there's a point where John says something about what they're looking for, and it's not here, it's here, yeah. and it's like it just it's like I get what you're saying, but it's also a little bit silly and a little bit heavy handed, you know? Yeah, it, it uh, there's there's parts where you're just like, all right, this is kind of silly, uh, you know? Um, but overall, I really enjoyed the movie. I really did. I thought. Um, it, it was Matrix before Matrix. It definitely, like, you can tell, you know, the Wachowskis were already doing Matrix by the time this movie came out, so I don't think they stole anything from it, but a lot of the um, a lot of the theory and a lot of the philosophy in this movie is very similar to Matrix. A lot of the style was taken. The people who worked on Matrix also worked on this movie, uh, Dark City, so there's a lot of that kind of look to it and it looks like it, it looks like it could be the prequel to matrix it could have you well know, and there's like, also parallels too like even yeah. in the very beginning right when uh when Kiefer Sutherland's character Schreiber calls John in the hotel room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very much like when, you know, Neil's being told, go follow him, the white rabbits. The strangers even call him Mr. whatever his last name is in the movie. Um, Mr. Murdoch? Yeah, they call yeah, him Mr. Yeah, like Murdoch. Mr. Anderson. The stranger, yeah. yeah, the strangers call him Mr. Murdoch. So, I, I, yeah, I was like, oh, that's like a Mr. Anderson. It's, it's, there are, I mean, so you can make parallels between a lot of things, but yeah. there's some here where it's just, you can kind of see them. Like, it's, like you said, it's not intentional. It's probably no. just the way they were written and the way, it, you know, this the style at the time <laughs> yeah it's uh that's uh our other host 
uh, Luna. Who's... <laughs> she has a few things to say about Dark City. Yeah, she end, didn't apparently. like it, apparently. <laughs> she really wanted to talk about the philosophy of it. Uh, but yeah, um, uh, so the way this will work is at the end, each one of us will recommend one of the films that we've talked about, and it can't be the one that we introduced. So we'll talk about who, which film we're going to ultimately recommend. Um, but final thoughts, uh, good, bad, in between. What do we, what do we think for Dark City? I, I would say in between. It is very thought provoking, so I can't totally condemn it. Like I said, if this was made in the 1980s, which at points it looks like it was, then I it might hold a little higher esteem for me. Yeah. It just felt really odd that it came out in 97. Never heard of it at the time. Yeah. I don't think it had much advertising. No, that things. I, I remember commercials. I remember seeing it, but I remember. I remember. I remember going like, I have no idea what this is about. Well, no. and I think that's what threw what you know maybe not interested in is. I remember seeing the commercial, and I had no interest in it at all. Yeah, and I really forgot about them until I started working at the store, and the guy recommended it. Yeah, you know? and and I think this is a perfect one of those movies where it's completely under the radar. If you love the Matrix, you'll probably like this movie. Yeah, it, it's very similar. And overall, so so Randy, you said in between, kind of. Yeah, I'm in between. Like yeah. I said, I didn't hate it. I did not enjoy the watch of it as much yeah. as I did the other two movies we'll be discussing shortly. And I definitely think it um it like fits the the category. Yeah, like, absolutely. Because like I probably would have watched it if I had that similar experience with I, Don, where a customer told me, "Oh, you got to watch it." I'd be like, "Okay, yeah. I got three rentals a day. I'll yeah, do it." I think and this I, is a largely forgotten movie too. I, I, and I never, I've never seen this. And I've I didn't seen, see it yeah, I never told, seen it until uh, we watched it for this. Um, so yeah, it's, I think it's a perfect for this category. Uh, I'm going to say that I, I liked it. Uh, I, I, it has a lot of things that aren't great about it. Um, the, I, I generally like the philosophy of it though. And I generally like the, like the themes. So overall it's, it's actually pretty solid. Is it the best movie ever made? No. Is Matrix better? Absolutely. But there is some really cool stuff with it. So, um, Luna agreed with me and, uh, Don, final thoughts. What do you think about it? Uh, I would watch this movie over again right now. Yeah. To be honest with you. That's the thing is I really love these movies where you can rewatch them yeah. and you're catching things you didn't catch before. That's yeah, really that's the like, whole thing. That's like the movie. prestige for me. Exactly. Yeah. Very much like the prestige. And for me, it's like I said, when I rewatched this for the first time in years, there was a lot I didn't catch before. Yeah. And that's really the great thing about these kind of movies. You just, you just catch those details you didn't see initially before. And then one thing I do want to note is that there's two versions of the movie out right now. Right, right. right. You talked to us about this. Yeah, so so there is the original theatrical cut, which Don't. I would not recommend watching. I would stay away. There's the director's cut, which you can also find. It's, it's digital everywhere. I'm sure you could find it for rent for like four bucks or something like that. But um, the reason you want to watch the director's cut is it's a little bit longer, but the, really the biggest substantial difference is that the beginning of the theatrical version ha- has this narration by Kiefer Sutherland that really just nearly spoils the entire movie for you. It lays out the entire, you know, plot with, you know, and then just plays everything out. Yeah. So I'd say the best way to watch this, if you're going to watch it, is just try to find director's cut. Which it, is, it's, a re- it's ridiculous that they did that because the best part of this movie is the reveals that and the twists and turns that happen. Yeah. Because you kind of think you know what's going on. And then you realize, like, oh, no, I don't know what's going on. Like, I, you know, and, and you kind of think about, well, I think I know where we're at. And then you realize, oh, I have no idea where we're at. And so the idea of spoiling that at the very beginning of the movie just doesn't make sense. I'm happy that you told us that before because I think it would have made it a, a lesser experience. Yeah. I think it's totally possible. You probably would have picked whatever version you found, right? Yeah. And then was like, all right, I'll watch this. But I don't know, maybe we'll watch it, like, after this because 
I'll be curious what you guys think about it, honestly, because it's yeah. it's not a terrible long narration. Either. That's the thing. It's like it's just like the first few minutes of the movie. Like you just you're it literally just, starting it and it just lays out what you're waiting to watch. Why even put it? Like why even do yeah. that? You're just wasting your audiences. You're wasting the because uh, well, like it is a noir movie. Yeah. So because of that noir movie, it it does the same thing that Blade Runner did, where the director's cut got rid of it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Where that's a great the, exactly. analogy for it. Yeah, and because that was so yeah. prevalent in those types of movies, the narration. I understand the thought behind it. Yeah. It just but if sucks. you're gonna spoil the movie while doing it yeah that's yeah. not and, a good and choice. the thing is you won't know it's being spoiled right away until you finish the movie mm. and that exactly. just makes it worse because you're like all right well then you know because i watched the original theatrical yeah. version my first run and i didn't see the director's cut until much later when it was released yeah um but yeah it, it's it's just really i don't know what the idea was for me maybe because there's like i said there's a lot of subtext in the movie and like you said there's a lot of philosophies and themes under there so maybe they thought people wouldn't get it yeah. Which I can kind of understand, but they were really heavy handed with that spoiler at the beginning, you know? Yeah, 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 for sure. Where's my gun? I, uh, no, I, uh. Give me my gun. No, I, I got rid of it. Say again? Yeah, I threw it in the lake because I figured you wouldn't, I would. I got priors in New York, so I really can't, I can't be messing around you with You threw it away? Yeah, plus it's evidence. You what? Watch it. Okay, relax. okay, oh, no, I'm sorry. I, I got a little nonplussed there. This, okay, is, this cool. is crazy. I understand. No, Just relax. Whoa, what is that? Is that a, is that a clue? What do you mean? Do you see that? In the thing? Can you. For my recommendation was uh, the directorial debut of Shane Black. This is 2005's Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. This movie starred Robert Downey Jr., Val Kilmer, both at the height of their not-quite-A-list anymore. In fact, Jr. was still just fresh out of rehab, almost. (laughs) Hoping for that second career. It seemed like it worked out for him. Also starring Michelle Monaghan. And this movie stars... uh, Robert Downey Jr. plays... A common criminal who gets into trouble with the law, manages to sneak away, and while he's hiding from them, he ends up walking into a uh, audition for an, an acting job. He has no idea what's going on, and he's absolutely freaked out. So as he's reading the lines, he's basically looks like the perfect actor because <laughs> this is a guy who's traumatized after just seeing his friend shot. Mm-hmm. The the Casting agents love him so much that they book him to, uh, for a flight to Los Angeles. They're going to put him on a screen test, and they're going to hook him up with a private detective, played by Val Kilmer, who is going to show him the ropes so that he knows what he's doing for this upcoming role that he just happenstanced into. Yeah. And it turns into a bit of a detective mystery action comedy. Yeah, nothing and if noir. If you know nothing about it really it's a noir movie a little bit yeah i guess so it it does parallel this fictional it parallels a a fictional detective uh novel it's a neo-noir yeah yeah where they they keep referencing this old novel johnny gossinger i think was the name or something like that yeah Yeah, and he's like a you know maltese falcon yeah it's like like, almost like a james bond sherlock holmes yeah yeah but like noir style like exactly a detective and throughout the movie you realize that robert downey jr is kind of Coming that, yeah. <laughs> it's very tongue in cheek and very it, is. it breaks the fourth wall constantly. It, oh, absolutely, yeah. there is narration in this, and mm. it's a welcome narration, and it's very ironic. Before that became kind of played out, yeah, and, and you know that kind of taints my viewing of it a little bit when I hear the narration. Sometimes I'm like, all right, yeah, I've seen this. Yeah, but time, when you know? it was done, it that right. kind of thing was not normal. Yeah, so yeah. it would have been a really fresh. Whereas if you watch it now for the first time, you might think that they're just trying to cash in on a. You know, cheap fourth wall breaking narrator. Yeah, yeah, very Deadpool-y. I, I, very, well, yeah. we'll get to it. But I think for me, the 
the whole breaking the fourth wall stuff kind of ties into the very end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, I didn't mind the, the narration or, or breaking the fourth wall like it did. I, I didn't expect it yeah. at all. It was kind of, kind of shocked me. Yeah. Uh, so what did you think of, um, first Robert Downey Jr. You were talking about how this is him kind of, this is like his comeback movie. Oh, really. absolutely. It kind of shot him back this, in. This Super is Sino. what made people realize maybe we should give this, uh, you know, former addict the role of Tony Stark. Yeah. What did MCU. you, so what did you think about him in the movie? Oh, I thought he was great. Yeah. Like he, he displays all those characteristics that he would later become known for in his, basically his second career, his second and far more successful career. Yeah. yeah. There, there's a lot of, uh. Tony Stark. One of my notes, a lot of one of my notes says, now. like watching Tony Stark if he wasn't a billionaire philanthropist playboy genius. Exactly. <laughs> it's like who he is. Exactly. He's, he's all of the parts about Tony Stark you love, except he gets his ass kicked all the time. Like, that's <laughs> it. That's... And he's just a total screw. Like, like, yeah. sorry, the movie starts with him with a botched burglary. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> but, but not, same... not botched by the police, by the way, but yeah. by a random old lady yeah. citizen yeah. Yeah. on the fire escape. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny, but yeah, it's it's the same energy, the same mannerisms as our, uh, as Tony Stark, like same everything. It just yeah, this was a career saving role for him, even if people didn't really see it. Yeah. Now I remember this coming out at Hollywood Video, but I had never seen any previews for it in the theaters. So I guess it, it had was a limited release. It, was it a limited release? Yeah. Yeah, because it was all new to me when I saw it. Like. I think the reason I dismissed it... And was, I know that a lot of the customers were raving about it. Yeah. ...was probably because of Rodan Jr. at the time. Because I, I, I couldn't really remember why I dismissed this movie to begin with either. Yeah, he was a bit of box office poison at this point. Yep. He was, well, uh, like I said, he was fresh out of rehab. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Val Kilmer, he hadn't had a big role in... No, this, this was the wind down. Forever, maybe? I don't even no, know. Like Ghost in the Darkness or something? He or had, the not, Saint? He had like, Spartan, but that was like another one of those kind of directed to DVD yeah, movies. Exactly. Yeah, It wasn't like a big release. No, no, that no. was a big release at Hollywood Video, though. Yeah, I remember people were renting Spartan. that thing like yeah, crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Val Kilmer in the movie plays uh, a gay detective. Um, that's right. Private Eye. Yeah, a private. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's a, yeah, a private investigator, not a detective. Um, what did you think of that choice, and like, what did you think of the way they used him in the movie? Um, I thought it was it was fun. You didn't really see a whole lot of like you know badass characters played by a gay man before. Yeah, like not at well, that he wasn't time. Played by a gay. Well, man. I mean that's what I mean. I'm sorry. Yeah, you, what I mean. Yeah, he was the actor. The, 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 character, the, character, the character was gay. Is gay. Like, yeah. yeah. And portrayed it, as a as a gay man is what I meant to say. <laughs> right, and then and that's uh, that was really cool. That was really cool to see because he's just kick yeah. ass, like and he didn't have like any of those stereotypical uh, like ticks to him at all. No, and he's like, yeah. Yeah, Maybe yeah. the reactions to him might have been a little stereotypical and homophobic, but I was gonna say they were. Yeah, there was yes. a few things they said, but he himself was not. So that's that's what I was gonna like stereotype. Yeah, that's what it, it was really cool to see. Just uh, like here's a gay guy and he's just normal. Like he's just a guy, just normal, just like every gay. He doesn't have to be flamboyant right. or anything. Just like or most, he's out. really good at his job. Yeah. He's just a normal person, like, and it's like, oh, good, finally in in cinema, here is just a person that is is existing, and he's also the most competent person in the entire movie. Like, Absolutely. he's the person who actually knows what's going on the whole time, and like, is, uh, and he's not a good person. Like, he's not. No, yeah, he's he's definitely that shades of gray character. Yeah, and n- none of these people are really. No, any, none of them are. No, good. there's, there's, good there's really no one who's likable I mean, here. Everyone has the, some the, flaw. Yeah. That uh, just... Michelle Monaghan's character, like, there's nothing really terrible about her. But she's also like not really a good person either. I, I she guess. just kind of, you know, everybody has flaws in it eh. well every, yeah, everyone has flaws in general but i think <laughs> but i think i, I mean I, yeah. I i did love michelle monahan in this but maybe for other reasons but i think the <laughs> i think you get to a good point about it where it's it's both progressive and regressive like it's it's very cool to see a character who is again he's just a, a gay guy who's no, like that's just a part of his 
personality, but it's not his only thing, and it's also not his defining thing. It's just, here's this character, and that's really cool. I thought that was really cool. The problem, and I think where we get regressive, is that they use him being gay as a sounding board for, yeah. like, really homophobic stuff. Like, where, yeah. you're, where you're like... And they right, flat that's... out say a lot of homophobic things that would not age well at all. No. Not be it, it's today. amazing it's really... how old 2005 feels. It really right? does. It's Just like, in the really sensibilities of the everyday person. Yeah, it was a totally normal thing. They would say certain words. You're like, oh, wow. That's, uh, I guess that was normal 20 years were they ago. Trying to, yeah, and they're, they're like... Kind of making a joke about him being yeah. gay, as opposed yeah. to just and, he's and almost it, like a punchline to some of their. That's really what they're waiting. And he for literally for has. He we, does take advantage of them for that, though. Yeah, like, he clearly knows how to use right, it. Right, he's he's living within that reality, and he knows how. To, like I said, he's the smartest guy in the room through the whole movie, so he knows what he's doing, which is great. And it, he's never um, like the butt of a joke. Like he is always on top of right. like whatever's going on. Um, but they use him being gay for a lot of like really uncool stuff. Like there's that one scene where he has to pretend to make out with uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s to like fool the cops. Yeah. And right at the end of that, like Robert Downey Jr. like spits and like like basically like throws up afterwards. Or they like, make it seem like the most vile thing you can imagine happened. Like, to yeah, him. yeah, and yeah. That, that, yeah. Like you drink a cup of poison or something, and it's just that that part. I was like, oh, come on, man. Like he's just you're just kissing a guy. Like calm down. You know. And the whole thing that said why Robert Downey Jr. is even associated with him. It's because Roger Jr. is that you know, sort of feigning himself as a private detective. Yeah. Right? That that's the whole reason that they're partnered up at all. It, it's almost like well, a no, buddy he's, cop. He's supposed comedy. to be showing him like this is what be. a detective. Oh, that's right. He's supposed to be like, like a method actor. Now, yeah. Now this is where Michelle Monaghan comes in yeah. because you find out that um, he sees her at a party and she rec- and he re- she really reminds him of basically this girl that he had a crush on in high school. Yeah. And it is her. So they, which is um, ridiculous. Yes, but yeah. absolutely. But I mean, you know, you go to L.A. and yeah. someone wants to be an actress, you might yeah. run into him, I guess. Um, so, so that's where that comes in. Now she's of the belief that he's a detective because of hanging out with Val Kilmer, not realizing that he that's was right. He's an actor, although he really he's a criminal. Yeah. And criminal that, turned actor. But turned detective. but if he goes <laughs> yeah, along yeah, yeah. with it, because this is his this is his dream girl. Yeah. And, and so she believes that he's a. Uh, detective, and that's where all the plot comes in. Yeah. Um, so, who was the di- writer director for this? Th- this was Shane Black's first directorial, first directorial movie. And for people who don't know who Shane Black is, like, what else has he done? He's done Lethal Weapon, mm-hmm. The Nice Guys, which yeah. this movie is very reminiscent to. Yeah. yeah. But you can tell that it definitely that. has, you know, like its share of action, but more so the comedy. Yeah, so he's he's very famous for like Lethal Weapon, and he's right. done a bunch of. Done he a bunch does of those. He does those fun, yeah. funny action movies. Yeah, it was so funny. So I was watching this with my fiance, and we're watching it, and um, the I won't break the scene, but there's a scene that happens, and she goes like, "Oh, this is reminds me so much of the, of, of the movie The Nice Guys," and I'm like, "Oh yeah, same director, same writer. Yeah, that's, that's why it's the same thing." And he does. He has a very distinctive style and like way of speaking for his characters and stuff, and. Um, Sometimes it borderlines on so goofy that it's it's hard to like take the movie seriously. It rides that line pretty heavily a lot, yeah. though. Because you're also trying to figure out like what is this movie like? Kind of going with what you were mentioning about Dark City, right? Like what is the movie trying to be? Yeah. And it's like it, it's starting to go into like goofy comedy, buddy cop comedy, or is it like a serious mystery th- thriller kind of thing? You yeah. know? Yeah. Well, but that's what I liked is that the action in it was so mostly unexpected. Yeah. Like it was so in your face out of nowhere. And then it's back. Yeah, to this movie went by really fast. It's, it I does. think it's almost two hours. It's, a, it's almost two hours, but it feels like an hour. And it a half was paced when you're really well, it. and that's yeah. one thing that I always, you know, from movies I always look at is like, 
is it, yeah. is, is, is it slow? Is it, you know, does he just roll the on by? Are, they're, right they're like, yeah. you know, because of they have the fourth wall br- uh, narration breaking, you, you can have instances of like, oh, this is going to be a, a dummy scene that's going to waste time. And then the narrator can just come in and be like, like, why are we, why are we watching this right yeah. now? And let's move forward. And- the the storyline breaks or beats are like really fast and, and they, but they go really well. There's never a part where I'm bored in this movie and right. there's never a part where like, I can't keep up either. It, it goes really quickly, but I get what's happening the whole time, it, which is really cool. Um, the The writing is not great at times. It's really good at sometimes. Like there's some lines that are just like perfect, like the definition of idiot in the dictionary. Oh, the that- the, the, the exchange between Michelle Monaghan and Robert Downey Jr. when they're in the bar for the first time. And the calling out the yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> the the, the celebrity lookalikes yeah. yeah that was just fantastic to me because I was like that is exactly how I would talk yeah yeah there's definitely like really good dialogue in this but the writing in general is is probably I would say the the movies like um like if there's anything that I would say is is not great about it is that the dialogue is really good but the actual like writing of the movie is is sometimes all over the place that it's hard to like really care about the movie um <laughs> but i love the dialogue there's some really really funny lines like yeah, I, line... I didn't expect i i really didn't think this movie was that gonna be that funny at all yeah i'm not i can't say where i, I expected but yeah, i was yeah. laughing throughout the whole thing i was really surprised at how freaking hilarious it was yeah the that was like most of val kilmer's lines are super funny yeah he's um, like the he's easily the best part of the movie him and yeah you know, Robert Downey Jr. star is pretty great, in that but Val Kilmer, yeah. I think, like steals the whole thing. Well, it, well, uh, this is what I wrote down in my notes. That I really miss seeing Val Kilmer in movies. I right, know. I know. Well, one of the things I wrote in my notes is that uh, Robert Downey Jr. is like just going for it the whole movie, but Val Kilmer is keeping up with him the entire time. There's yeah. never a part oh, where you think that like, oh man, RDJ is just like running circles. Where they're around both him or anything. bouncing off each other so well. Really like, they really well. do have a lot of chemistry between the two. Yes, which I, you wouldn't expect. I don't think I would have expected Tony Stark. You know, and, and Batman, yeah, yeah. right, in to, another in another world, yeah, to have such good chemistry with each other, especially in this kind of a movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was the really good from start to finish. There's like twists and turns that are really funny and really good. Uh, the story is really good. It's the ending is actually really sad. Um, the like without giving it too much away, there's like there's like a, a scene where they talk about um, like what happened to a character, and it's it's like actually sad. Like it, yeah. it's it's a pretty tragic, like terrible way to go. Which I thought was kind of nice to do because it's like, all right, finally stakes. I feel like this movie had no stakes for like the whole the whole time. Cr- crazy things are happening and nothing bad happens to these characters. Like even the bad things that happen to them don't actually mean anything. It's a like, bunch of hijinks for the yeah, most part. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And it, that's and that's kind of what threw me off about the end is it, it kind of ends on like a joke first. Yeah. And then you get the explanation for sort of why this investigation is happening. Yeah. And then like you just feel like the air come out of the room where no one's like laughing anymore. Right. It, I was trying to think of what movie did that where it like it ended on it was like ended on a joke and then there was like almost like a, an epilogue where like it just not, totally made not you depressed. Yeah, it's not funny at all anymore. Yeah, which kind of bummer because uh yeah that's that's the, I would say the problem with this movie is the stakes never get raised enough where I feel like the characters are ever in real danger. Like, yeah. Um, no, they could just leave at any time. They could just leave, and even the bad things that happen. It's almost like a Looney Tune style. <laughs> like, well, it like, just feels like happenstance. Yeah, like, every situation connects to the other, and it's like you know, in the beginning, like, it, it when... literally parallel parallels the the novels the, that they're talking about. Yeah, and they admitted to talking about how 
the author himself of these novels was like, oh, those were just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. it's just yeah, lazily yeah. written. Yeah, and they're, they're formulaic for a reason. That and that's kind of why you let and, some stuff go, and you're you get... not realizing it at the time, but this movie is becoming that. Right, and and that's why you kind of let stuff go at the end, where where it really gets off the rails with like, how could this possibly happen? Um, but you do that because you understand that this movie is going to that point. Like that's that's the mm-hmm. whole idea of it is that it's becoming this movie or it's becoming this type of thing slowly through the movie. But it's still kind of hard to care, you know, <laughs> because cause you're like, okay, I get, I get what you're doing. I get that. I get all of that. But it doesn't – the stakes don't ever change. They don't ever make me want to be like, oh, I, I really don't know what's going to happen to this guy. I want to see what happens. Uh, and I think that's that may be the only drawback to the movie is that the, the stakes are never raised to a point where you're like actually – um, invested in those stakes. Well, you, th- you're, you're invested in the characters and dialogue. You want to hear what they have to well, say. Well, I next. think that might be the thing. Is it's just supposed to be low stakes hijinks. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. And that's and that's what I was gonna say too. It's like, yeah, the story really you don't care about it at the end. It's like no. you see it unfold. You, you have the depressing ending of sorts. But really, if it wasn't for you know the characters in the movie, no, like I would have turned this thing off. I wouldn't yeah, have cared anymore. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. If it wasn't so funny 100%. and like you know Val Kilmer and Roger Jr. just like you know just taking up the entire scene that they're in, they're just so funny. Just this movie would have right nothing out, without that. Yeah. That's really the reason you're gonna fin- start this movie and finish it. Yep. yep. Yeah. It was just just given the given the reins to two actors who are not had seen better days. Yeah, but they carried show. It. exactly. They, they still carried it in a big way. way, and it did wonders for Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, it really changed his whole life. Yeah. The movie, and the movie does do a lot to sort of, uh, you know, change direction. Like it leads you down these sort of dead ends for, you know, what happened to certain characters and, you know, wh- where this investigation is going to go. But it's all, like, like you said, Mike, it's all for nothing. It just kind of like artificially prolongs the movie or to add more jokes or yeah. more, whatever they want to add into it. You yeah. Know? Well, about the whole time, his character was explicitly telling you. Oh, he was yeah. great. He yeah. Was, well, he, no, he, he was explicitly telling you that, you know, what what's going on with a certain character and that it's all nonsense. Yeah. And, we just, yeah. and no one was listening. And it works yeah. for him because he's the investigator, mm-hmm. right? The private investigator. So it's like, it, it makes sense that his job would be to explain everything almost verbatim. Right. And what's he's happening the, in front of you. He is the, the one person who knows what they're doing the entire exactly. movie. Like he's, he's always well, the, the, the voice of reason or not even the voice of reason, the voice of like correctness. <laughs> didn't <laughs> he, what, I mean, cause the whole thing is like when, when they're staking out in the cabin and doesn't he accidentally shoot the trunk with the woman in it. So that's why they can't report the woman in the trunk is because, he shot her and no 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 it wasn't that it was it was even dumber (laughs) he it was because spoiler alert robert downey jr throws his gun into the lake i remember that but i thought he shot into the trunk first right no 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 No. something no i think you're right i think he he shot her on accident yeah like the whole thing because they were following a car and they discovered there's a dead body in it and it's going in like this lake and I swear that Val Kimmer's character like shot at the car for some reason. I forgot why. No, no, no. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. shot at. The oh, car. was it? Re- okay, that makes more sense. Then. Okay, never mind. Um, and then yeah, and then he threw it into the river. Yeah. To get rid of it. He's like, why would you do that? That's my my mom's like, favorite gun. He's like, they're gonna drain the lake and yeah. they're gonna find my gun, you yeah. idiot. <laughs> yeah. That was so good. Yeah. All right. Any final thoughts on the movie? Oh, not a whole lot. I think we covered it all. Yeah. It was solid fun movie if you haven't seen it if you enjoy if you enjoy watching tony stark then you should absolutely watch this movie yeah 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 if you want broke tony stark absolutely this is the movie right here tony stark broke stupid tony Stark. yeah yeah this is the worst version of him broke burglar (laughs) so uh don uh recommend don't recommend uh how do you feel about it i would it's it's actually a really good movie um the thing is i think some of these movies like the it really becomes a question of like how dated they feel, and yeah. I don't think this one really feels dated, no. but there are some things that are. Yeah, just but I think in general, yeah. it's like if you're a fan of Val Kilmer and Roy, you're you're 
you'll have no trouble watching this. Like, it's such yeah. a breezy watch. I would rewatch it again. Yeah. Uh, Randy, what would you Oh, recommend? absolutely, I recommend. That's yeah. why I brought it up. Yep. Uh, I would recommend it, too. I, I think it's one of those movies that, again, is perfect for the category that we're doing today of, like, hidden gems kind of thing. Or, or like, movies you really wouldn't watch unless they were recommended to you or, like, you stumbled apos- uh, across them. Because this movie fell completely off the radar for me. I, I'd heard about it when it came out, and I remember wanting to see it. But until Randy picked it as the movie that he was uh, going to recommend, I completely forgot about it and when he yeah. did when he did recommend it, i was like oh man i that's great i really want to see that movie I, I i've always wanted to see it um so i'm really happy he recommended it it's really good like i agree with all of the gentlemen there that if you like rob downey jr or if you like val kilmer um definitely this is a movie to check out can i offer you gentlemen some coffee sure give me some coffee make it black yes sir joey and uh, and your friends? They don't drink coffee. It doesn't uh, agree with them. Joey. It's Joey. You are. My name's Tom, sir. Our last movie that we're going to talk about is my recommendation which is uh, A History of Violence. Um, A History of Violence is directed by David Cronenberg, very famous for movies like Scanners, and uh, he's done a bunch of body horror movies. The so Fly. The Fly. Yeah, The yeah. Fly. So he's done a bunch of... So he he's, does a lot of like body horror type stuff. Um, so he directed this. Uh, the actors in this movie are uh, Viggo Mortensen, the Lord of the Rings fan, uh, Maria Bello, William Hurt, and Ed Harris. The synopsis of the movie is... is uh, I'll just read it out to you guys. So when a pair of petty criminals attempt to rob... His small town diner, Tom Stahl, quickly and easily kills them. Tom's seemingly heroic actions uh, uh, enter with a threatening stranger named Carl Fogarty comes to town, fingering the unassuming family man as a long-missing Philadelphia mobster, Joey Cusack. So, overall, um, this movie has some really good themes about like violence and how we perceive violence in our lives and how we use violence as a means to an end. Um, it also has, uh, I think, a lot of like Darwinian themes, like of of survival of the fittest and those kind of things, and using violence as a way to promote Darwinian like ideals. There's some really great stuff in this movie. There's some awesome scenes and some awesome acting, um, but then it's kind of a mess at the end, um, and we'll kind of talk about all that. So. Overall, I think that you know this is the movie I recommended. Uh, I hadn't seen it in a long time, and it uh, was a movie that I had only heard about, and I only watched it because we started renting it at Hollywood Video, and I rented it out when we first got it. And I, when I was younger, I really I, I loved it because it was just this crazy violent movie, and I liked Viggo Mortensen um, from Lord of the Rings, and I knew William Hurt and Ed Harris from other things. So a lot of the character actors I really liked, and I thought I thought the scenes were really cool, and I thought that you know the the, the fighting was really neat but um but i didn't really understand like the actual ideas they were trying to promote within the movie and now watching it this time i was really trying to to look at that as like the barometer for how i judged it and i really really liked this idea of like this darwinian approach but it's so funny because they 
they do this whole survival of the fittest thing. Is that like you know whoever is the most powerful will will have power? Um, the very beginning of the movie, they do that with the two um, evil bad guys who are who are like they're unab- nobodies. They're and they're unabashedly evil, right? Like yeah. there's nothing, and they they prove that at the very beginning of the movie is, is they they set this up where they're just like these are two despicable, terrible people, uh, and they do terrible, despicable things. And so they set them up as really bad guys. But the other funny thing that they do, though, is so they really promote this idea of like might makes right. If you're powerful, you can do what you want. Um, but the funny thing is the the teenager who's like the son of of Viggo Mortensen, of Tom Stahl and his wife. He he's getting picked on by this bully who's just the stupidest bully I've he's ever like seen. He's like one of the worst bullies yeah, you can imagine in any wor- movie. Just the worst. Like you have no idea why he's acting the way he's acting. Like we talked about this before, but there's a scene in the very beginning where they're playing baseball and the the bully comes up to bat and he's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna we're gonna win this game right now, gentlemen." <laughs> and I texted he, him after watching this. He again. just he just hits this like absolute routine fly ball that goes straight to the, the 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 teenage son of Tom Stahl and like he just catches it and that's the end and he's like so mad where it's like well what did you expect to happen what did you think baseball it's not, was it's not like this dude jumped up and made like an yeah. amazing catch <laughs> that robbed that, you that's of a home what run I understand off the bat it's like it's the whole the whole game is like you want to have like a game ending run yeah. you would hit like a home run or something yeah and this is really just to set up the bullying relationship with the son that's yeah. all this was for and it was like the worst way to do it for like the most non climactic way but the, I, I just got the impression he was just closeted and very aggressive about it well okay and that's uh, yes I, I kind of go with that but also <laughs> I liked what they did there because they set up this kid who's a bully who thinks he has power and my, my favorite part was uh, or one of my favorite parts with, with that bully was when um, he's trying to bully the, the the kid and he just doesn't go for it like he just like yeah i'm the worst and like the bully doesn't know how to react to this because he's not engaging with him at all he won't engage well, he's expecting the, resistance the bully's like come on man let's fight yeah he's come trying on, to push fight. him and like, i'm yeah. not gonna fight you i i am you know i'm all the things you're saying i am and like it's so funny because the bully doesn't know how to act which is great um and I think what they use that character for, because he's the worst bully ever. He like has no motivation. He just <laughs> yeah. se- just seems like his motivation is I'm a bully. Like that's, that's it's all threats. It. But the yeah. best part is when he does that stuff to people who are actually powerful and dangerous, and then they just look at him. They don't do anything. They just look at him, and he's immediately cowering. Yeah. When when they uh, he what ends up happening is that that he's like on a road and he almost gets cut off by the two evil guys in the beginning of the movie. And he kind of does his bully thing at him. I think he flips him off. Right. And all those two do do just look at him. They don't say anything. They just look at him. And immediately this bully just cowers in fear over them and just doesn't want anything to do with them. Cause he saw like, these are people who actually have what I pretend to have. These- well, it's all projection too. Yeah, like yeah. the bully's just trying to sort of establish his dominance or yeah. sort of, you know, make himself look like he's this big tough kid or whatever. Yeah. But it's all just projection. Like he has, he, it's just empty threats and he doesn't know what to do with it once someone does, you know, yeah. sort of challenge him or submit to him. Yeah. So, so that's really funny. And that's, it also shows you like, okay, these, these people are actually powerful and dangerous. These two guys in the truck are actually powerful and dangerous because they're complete psychopaths who will do anything. This kid is fake. <laughs> and you see that, right? Well, he's away. also a kid. Yeah. That's, he's just, yeah. that's beyond anything else. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Exactly. He's like 16. Yeah. Um, so that really does, uh, kind of show that that Darwinian approach which I think is really cool like they're just like yeah there's people who pretend to have power and there's people who actually have power and here's the difference and then those people those yeah. people that supposedly actually have power yeah they turns meet, out meet somebody who not has so even much more, at all yeah have even more power than them so um 
you know, this will be a spoiler alert, but it's it's honestly like you can't talk about the movie without talking about the scene. Kind of in the synopsis of the movie, yeah, to be fair. So, this is literally yeah, what you would read so, on the back of a box. Yeah, exactly. So these two evil guys go, they need money. They're running out of money, so they need to go rob. They're going to rob this diner where Tom Stahl is. I, I think he owns it. It seems like he owns it. Yeah, yeah, he owns yeah, it. I think he owns it. Yeah. So he owns this diner. He's working there. It's late at night. They're about to close. In fact, I think they are closed when these two guys come in. And they, you know they kind of set it up, and eventually they're gonna rob them. Like that's the whole idea. They pull a gun out, and they're gonna they're they're gonna like rape the the waitress too. They kind of say, and it gets a little. But anyway, Tom ends up. Yeah, they have a gun to one of the waitresses' head. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's it's implied that like bad things are gonna happen. Well, and you should also know too that I believe he's also calling him Joey, right? Or he's no, no, that's not, not, not yet. That's not okay. yet. Okay. No, that's not yet. These are just so these common are just thugs. two random thugs, and so he played by what was what's his name? Is that Henriksen? I don't know. It just looked like it looks, it like, looks, it looks, like, looks a Hendrickson. lot like. Yeah. Him. I yeah. really thought like, it was for a minute. Yeah, and I, I looked at it. It was not Lance Henriksen. Yeah, <laughs> it's, Van, it's Vance Henriksen. <laughs> Hans um, Lenriksen. But then, but then, like in one of the more like grotesque parts of the entire movie, um, Tom of Viggo Mortensen just absolutely waylays these guys, hits one of the dudes in the face with like a glass coffee, coffee pot, pot. Uh, shoots both Full of, of them. Yeah, shoots both of them and kills them. And uh, one of the things why I think Cronenberg was the, the absolute best choice for this movie is because he deals with body horror all the time and like grotesque body horror, right? Like that's kind of his bag. So in most movies, in those scenes, you would probably see those guys dead for a second and they would it would back off. But he keeps the camera on the one of the guys who gets shot in the face like that, and, and they, he keeps the camera on them for yeah. like an uncomfortable amount of time, which is. What I think this movie is trying to say is like there's violence and even your good guys are going to have violence and even the people who deserve to have violence put on them, I'm going to keep you here and you're going to have to look at this for a little bit. And the other thing too, right, the whole thing is like because during the standoff, because the the standoff is pretty intense. Yeah. Viggo Morrison's behind the the lunch counter, behind the dining counter. The guy's got a gun in his face and the other guy is off with the woman who's mm-hmm. she's a little bit further behind him. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's really just showing like you want Viggo Morrison to just take these guys down and yeah. kill them and whatever. And then they show you what happens, what yeah. the consequences of his violence was. Right. You're satisfied with it until you have to sit Until there you're with looking it. at what the result of all this and was. And even this person who you know absolutely deserves this amount of violence put towards them because of what they've done in the past. I mean, they killed a little girl in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Like, so they deserve this violence. But I really like Cronenberg's like, okay, that could all be true. But is, is this but look still, what happens look after the fact, like it, after yeah. his face is blown to bits, which is great because like that really was what this movie's about. I think is that like yes, violent violent things are all around us. Good people do violent things. Bad people do violent things. Violence is terrible, and I'm not gonna shy away from like what that looks like. So that's really really cool. Uh, as the movie goes along, eventually there's some gangsters. Uh, I think they're Irish gang members from Philadelphia who come uh, because what happens is that Tom's story saving the town ta- or saving this diner gets national attention and his face goes around national TV. And then these two gang members, three gang members, come to the diner and start calling him Joey Joey Cusack. And he's like, I don't know who that is. I'm sorry, you got me confused with someone else. And so slowly it's revealed that. He's this guy, Joey, and he used to be a gang, like a, a high level gang member in this Irish gang. And um, he ended up and like so the guy who's coming is actually coming for revenge is what you kind of figure out because he beat him up back in Philly. Um, and and then it's all about like, well, uh, his family's trying to figure out if he's lying or not. And it gets into this big fight at the end uh, with or not in the end. The climax is he fights this guy who came to played by Ed Harris, uh, who came to to get him. And he ends up killing a bunch of people in a very violent way. And then his son comes in and 
finishes off the the Ed Harris's character at the end, or at the, sorry, this is a climax, it's not the end, um, and shoots him and, and kills him. And there's a there's a really great scene where um, Vigo um, character Tom turns into Joey. And he just starts absolutely annihilating everybody around him, right? He punches that dude in the face and, like, breaks his nose all up and all that crazy stuff's happening. And then his son shoots Ed Harris's character in the back and kills him with the shotgun. And then he grabs the shotgun. And he's still Joey there. And he's he has, like, almost like a maniacal, like, smile on his face. Yeah. And he's looking at his son. And he slowly turns back into John or uh, Tom. Tom. Slowly turns back into Tom. But there's a second where he's looking at his son, and it almost looks like he might kill his son. Like, he's, he's, he's fully Joey. Joey's a complete psychopath. But he had let that guy go, and he was Tom. Um, and that's a really cool scene. That's, like, my favorite. That, that is my favorite scene in the movie. It, and it's so good that that's where the movie should have ended. Well, and, and the thing, you kind of skipped over, like, the middle part. Because the whole thing is that in the middle of the movie, before you lead up to, you know, this sort of face-off with Ed Harris is that, uh, his wife fully believes that Thomas Stall is Tom Stall yeah. because Viggo Morrison is also saying, I don't know who Joey is. Joey doesn't yeah. exist, blah, blah, blah. So this entire time, you know, Ed Harris is also pursuing his wife and telling him about who Joey was and how your husband's Joey. And then during that, you know, sort of at, at the end of that climax, right, when you're talking about the whole fight with uh, with Ed Harris and the son, um, you know, his wife is watching this unfold through their the house window, like on the second floor or something. Yep. And that's when the wife says, "That's when I saw Joey there." So yeah. I think something yeah. like that, right? I mean, it's cool. It's a really cool turn to like he actually becomes Joey. Like yeah. he's not. He, he was sitting, doing his best to avoid it. Yeah. Because he didn't want to admit he was him. Yeah. And then he just he has no choice. It's like his family's in danger, so he, now he's Joey. He's back to being Joey and killing everyone. Yeah. So that that whole part from the beginning until that part is awesome. That's the the whole movie is great. What is terrible is everything after that. Uh, I, I hated when he went and, and met his brother, played by John Hurt. Second, William. Uh, William Hurt. William Hurt. <laughs> For the second Sorry. time this episode. Yeah, William Hurt in, in another movie. Yeah, he was in Dark City as well. I hated all of that. I hated that whole scene where he was with his brother in the in the mansion and all. Like the fight scenes was cool in that, but like it just it was dumb. I hated that. Um, the fights with his wife were kind of dumb. The ending was cool, but you could have done that at the end of the climax. Um, but overall, like, I, I don't know. Could you have? Because there were still people that knew who he was. Well, this is that that wouldn't have stopped just because Ed Harris got got killed. No, but here's what and I, and Tom Stahl knew that. Yeah, I mean, I get I get the overall like why they had to do it. Or like why the movie progressed there, but I would have I would have liked it if Ed Harris was just the boss, like he was the boss. Uh, well, I mean Ed Harris is great. Well, and that's what they made it seem like too. That's the thing is is yeah. and they all they said this whole revenge thing with Ed Harris because his eyes been t- or he has like the a white eye. He he like hit him with a no. He tried wire. he tried to take his eye out with barbed bar wire, wire, right? Yeah, so was, that's yeah. that's also why he's trying to get revenge against yeah. you know against Tom Tom, Tom. Tom. Joey. But yeah, it, it's. For me, like I, I'd seen this movie once before, yeah. I think, and when I watched it, again, I, I had forgotten so much. But I thought Ed Harris was like the, the boss because he'd come to town or anything like that. And, and it would you make find sense out, was. and yeah, it would have made more sense. And you have this contrived story about him going to go face off Joey, his brother, who you don't even see the entire movie. Yeah, and never hear about other than that like, you know that his brother exists. He's, yeah, he's passively mentioned. That's actually what. Uh, Ed Harris tells you know uh, Tom's wife yeah. is like no Joey has a brother too his name's yeah. Richie they used yeah. to be good buds and I thought Jimmy had passed away or something yeah so when I found that they're going to to Richie it's like yeah. where did this come from why so if I was making the movie <laughs> um, what I would have done is made the the reveal 
at the end. I would have really stretched out the is he Joey, is he not? Really make you think, really make the audience think maybe he isn't this guy. Maybe it really is like just this like weird coincidence where he kind of looks like this guy and the whole idea is that like is he, is he, is he not? And then the reveal at the end where he is and then his son shoots him and that kind of shows that like all right, that violence is going to be passed down because the whole idea is that like are we violent creatures? Is Is this can you let that go? Can you let go of your past? Can you let go of that violent nature you have? Because yeah. he was, for all intents and purposes, a complete psychopath. Uh, Joey was. He was. Like, he, was a, a, he was a hitman. Like so an absolute. Yeah. An yeah absolute he, he killed without second guessing. Yeah, she, or anything. she asked when he really confessed to it. You know, like, where did you do this for money or because you enjoyed it? And instead of you know just saying like I didn't really have a choice or anything, he just says both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's letting her know that yeah, this this Joey guy was. Yeah, he was something else, and, and so I think the movie would have been so much better if that is is the middle part, right? Is like, is he actually this guy? And Ed Harris can be messing with him the whole time, and they can have like really tense scenes about that. But you could also put in like parts that make you think, well, maybe he isn't Joey. Maybe he is just this guy who just got in this really intense situation and just adrenaline took over. Yeah, and, you know, the, and- the way they set up, it's really just. You, it's unmistakably Joey. Yeah, the there's not, there's, there's no well, ambiguity. Well, that's I, I don't it. know if they can really prolong that anymore. I like, think you could. I really think you could, you could. Because I don't know if that was really the point of the movie as much as it was the whole family and on, on how how are they going to deal with this? Are they going to accept I, that? I almost like. Wish... Are you got We get back to the whole identity thing. Yeah. Is is that Joey or is that uh, Tom? Or can they can they... and and can the family disassociate that? Like, you know, all right. He, I think he's killed everybody that could possibly lead back to yeah, him yeah can we just go back to pretending mm-hmm. and that kind of ambiguous ending i actually appreciate well i will say one one thing i did like about the ending a lot was uh, it just cut to black at the end right like they I, you know without spoiling what happens but they're eating dinner at the table or something mm-hmm. yeah which is right? a really cool scene which is fine and, yeah, yeah it's great it just shows them trying to come back to where normalcy they think yeah. exists anymore and it just cuts some movies i don't i don't really like when they do that just because it seems like sort of a cop-out but this yeah. actually worked yeah, but also as I agree, it's almost worse. The whole scene with the, with Richie, maybe that should be at the beginning to set up why he escaped or why he left that life behind or something. Yeah, I, I just think it would have been better if the if the I mean they could have even changed the they could have kept the violence exactly the same, but changed like how professional it looked to really make you think like oh maybe he just like is a normal guy who just had this fit of like uh, adrenaline that helped him overcome these two people. Um, you know, he lives in the Midwest. He probably knows how to work a gun. <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. So, uh, so then they could have done that. Because you're right. The way in which he killed those two guys was like, oh, he's clearly done this before. Yes. Yeah, you know, there's like, no, there's like, there's no, no mistaking. question. He did, this, he did it perfectly and knew exactly what he was doing. So Same thing with the, the, the lawn confrontation. Yeah, yeah. Even more so there. I mean, that was... Cr- well, that because was he's he went, the one that's being held up. Well, and that's like, when he went full Joey. Like, exactly. that's when he well, was full I Joey. Think, I mean, the whole thing is he, he, he ran away... In the Midwest, in the middle of nowhere, I think it was like Indiana or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. But it's really just showing that, you know, no matter how much you try to outrun his past or put it behind him, he couldn't outrun it. He yeah. still ended up being Joey. Like, Joey is who he was, right? Randy, like, you're talking about identity yep. and all these themes we've had throughout the different movies. Yeah. But it's like, he's he's still Joey no matter how hard he, he tries to be Tom. Yeah. And it finally caught up to him. I think it was only like three or four years they said that he was removed from being a mobster. A while. It was a while. Yeah. It had to have been a while because his. Son was in high school. Well, I don't oh, know that's, that's right. Well, they said, he, and that like, is his son. I thought is they it? said okay, he moved I couldn't him tell in three that was years. That is his son. son. No, yeah. it has been a very long time. Yeah, 
I think he said 15 years. I thought he said it's, it might have been more than that. Three years? Yeah. They mentioned some about probably been like almost it's been a two while, decades. For yeah. sure. Because he was like a kid when he did it. And I'm sure Ed Harris's character was a kid. He's like an old man at that point. Yeah. Because uh, there's that really, inter- like, I really like that scene too when they're in the mall. And Ed Harris is oh, yeah. Ed Harris is Ed talking Harris is to to the mom. Well, that's like, when he's harassing her and yeah. like being the creepy guy. And again, like yeah. telling her about Richie and all that, yeah. and like that who really Joey cool. is. And that's, yeah. and that's what I wish was more of the movie. I wish there was more tense moments like well, that. Well, because it didn't do a whole lot to build up who Joey they was. They they, mm-hmm. they almost made Joey into like this mythical yeah. hitman, right? Well, like the movie's they, only ninety minutes. It's not very long. Um, it's a, yeah, it's a really quick it short. Goes, it's go, and, and it's it's really violent. Like that's the kind of point of the movie, and that's the themes that they deal with is this Darwinian kind of ideal, and then also identity and like can you can you switch that off can you change from that because it's not even changing it's like completely letting it go like it's putting it away like forever you know <laughs> like yeah. like um so that's it's really good really interesting thoughts like i really like the ideas behind it i really like the i thought the writing was really good um i thought cronenberg did really probably maybe my my favorite like just normally directed movie that he's done where it's maybe just, the only one maybe that the he's only done one. but he i really think he was the best director for this because he he understands violence like really well and he understands how to portray it and i think that he did a really good job with this movie of like showing that violence and, and not flinching from it and not hiding from like here is what a violent act looks like no matter who how good or bad you are it's still violence you know yeah, I think this is one of those movies where uh, I think I was more excited to rewatch this one out of the three. Yeah, because I'd only seen Same. it once. I know I liked it a lot because my brother and you had told me way back to watch it. Yeah, but it's like now that I'm a little bit older from when I had seen it then, and like I, I enjoyed it, but I don't think I enjoyed it as much as I did the first watch. Yeah, and it was because of the problems that we were just really just talking about where. There's a lot of good in there, but there's all the stuff where it's like I don't really think it was necessary or needed. Like you probably could have cut this here. You probably could have shifted like, things out. Like the uh, William Hurt has that kind of like Bond level <laughs> line at the end where he's like, "Yeah, you can do something Dive. for me. You can die, Joey." And he yeah. turns his chair. That it's, was so. It's cheesy. just too much. It, it's yeah. just and in, in a movie that isn't cheesy. Like that's the thing about this movie is that it's very unflinchingly real. In a lot right. of ways, to have that happen that was, was just—it well, was just so ridiculous. Where you're just like, oh, "Come on!" Yeah, it's <laughs> like, kind of taking you off. Because he should have had a white cat that he was petting on his lap while he turned around. It would have been perfect. But I, I did really, really like that ending though, because he's coming back to his family. The home. very good, the very end. He's the very coming end. back. Yeah. He has clearly been in something. Yeah, like, it, terrible. He's, he's scarred up. Yep. You know something's wrong, but the whole family collectively chooses. To not address it at mm-hmm. all, because hey, he might have killed the very last people who remembered who Joey and he can just Cusack go back to was, being, yeah. and he can just be Tom again. There's yep. not going to be any more surprises. And yeah, that's kind of weird that you know I'm happily married to someone who's like a contract killer type person. Yeah, but the alternative is what? Like you know, yep. ruining this whole family. Yeah, and just seeing you know, like especially the mom and the brother, just the daughter. And well, the daughter, who, to an has, extent, well, she has but no she was still a lot, lot, lot younger, so she couldn't really process these right. things. Right. Well, I'm sure that could play through her mind, though, is like, well, my daughter still adores him. He's still, you know, he's still just dad. Because it really looked like a family who was fully prepared to, let's just forget all of this ever happened. Yeah. Like, how long and and the trip? sheriff, too, the local sheriff. Like, he knows. Yeah, he even let it go. But <laughs> he's like, if this yeah. isn't going to be a problem, I'll just look the other way. Yep, yep, yep. It's also, how long of a trip was it from where he was to, was it Philly, right? Yeah, it seemed like, like he it just was seemed like he, he, night, it was, so like, it was like a day trip. Where yeah. like, I'm going to kill my brother or whatever, you know. Yeah, and, and then come on back. Come on back. It's cool, guys, you yeah. know. Cause, and, and to kind of be fair to his character, it wasn't his intention 
to go and kill his brother. Though I think he probably already knew that it was going to happen. He, knew that he, happen. he probably felt he had happen. to at that point. But he didn't, yeah. he didn't want to, right? Like I think he, was, he just wanted to know, like, oh, yeah, well, forget it. Like, I just want to go on with that. small my, chance that yeah. his brother just was like, all right, just go live your life. Yeah. Then he'll take it. But yeah. I don't think he expected that yeah. whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was all just too rushed, I think. That, that's really my biggest problem with that part of the end. Yeah. Like, that last... Uh, he, I, I exactly. think it was, like, probably the last 30 minutes or so. Yeah, maybe a little was, less. I really didn't like that part, but... I, Everything else, but everything that happened before that and and the very end scene are so good. They're really good. That it makes yeah. me it makes me not care so much they, about that. They part. could have cut out the entire sort of segment with Richie, and yeah. I would have been fine. Yeah, you, you, were, you would have not missed it. You would have not like it was. It was. It's also it's like the whole movie takes place in one you know in his city that he lives in. Like yeah, in, and they're in the setting Midwest. up Ed Harris as the main bad guy. Yeah, like he is the bad guy. Yeah, all right. So overall, recommend, don't recommend, Randy? What do you think? Oh, I recommend. I, I'd seen this movie one time before, back when it came out on DVD. I don't recall if I watched it before Hollywood Video or not, but I do remember really liking it, and I still liked it a lot. I was really excited to watch it again, especially because it's 90 minutes. Just Yeah, quick and easy. The, 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 it was over before I knew it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. What about you, Don? Recommend, don't recommend? Yeah, I'd say it's worth watching at least once. It's not something... Um, I don't know if I'll rewatch it again, yeah. right? It might be something where I'm, I might watch it in ten years. Yeah. Think, oh, I, I should relive this kind of thing. But show your kids. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sure. Uh, but it, it's definitely one of those things where it's like lukewarm recommend, okay. right? Like it's a great movie, yeah. and you, you probably really should watch it because it is so short and it just breezes by. Yeah. It's just it's just unfortunate for me that I think that last sort of that twenty minutes and the last half an hour just yeah. sticks out like a sore thumb and just it just feel like it just it didn't ruin the movie yeah it but just, it just kind of it did kind of hurt it yeah I'm, I'm with you um i highly recommend i think it's great the, like i said the third act the the like every the falling action as you would say everything after the climax is not great but the everything up to the climax is awesome like really good and well done the ending scene is amazing it's so good like and what i mean by the ending scene is the very ending scene um is so well done uh like i said cronenberg was great in this um, and I think Vigo did great. I think everybody did really awesome. So overall, uh, I highly recommend. Okay, so now that we've done all three, uh, it's going to come to the point where we now need to put our recommendation on one movie. We'll go around. Each person gets to say their movie that they recommend. It cannot be the movie that you proposed. So it has to be one of the other two gentlemen's movies. So, Don, I'll let you go first since you were the first one. Of the three that you are the two that you watched, I guess, which one would you recommend of those two? I probably would have to go with Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which I'm actually surprised I have to recommend. Yeah. Uh, for me, like I said, I, had, I didn't have really any high expectations. My, my expectations were kind of in the middle where I didn't know what this movie was about. I didn't look it up. Yeah. I really was basically because Randy had told me about it like forever ago. Yeah. And I finally watched it because of this. Um. And it just felt like a much more complete movie in a way, right? Yes. Like it just was breezy. It was paceful. It was actually really funny. It was entertaining all the way through. History of Violence is a movie that I thought I would have had more of a, a likening to, but I ended up like I enjoyed it. But Kiss Kiss Bang Bang kind of surpassed my expectations. Mm-hmm. All right, Randy, of the two movies that you watched, which one would you recommend? All right, so since I picked Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, uh, I will have to say History of Violence. Um, I guess if I know you very well and you have very specific tastes, I might recommend Dark City over yeah, that. That's true. Um, that's very fair. That's a, which I think is fair. But in general, I feel like you know, just an average person says they comes up to me with these two movie boxes. Yeah. And I don't know much about them. Which one should I watch? I'd say you, know, you should watch A History of Violence. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, and for me, um, you know, I picked History of Violence. So um, I kind of am falling in that same realm where if I'm thinking of recommending it to everybody, uh, I'd have to pick Kiss, Kiss Bang Bang as well. Um, I think that I think that I liked History of Violence more overall, like as a movie. But I think that Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is a much like more enjoyable mu- movie. Right. If that makes sense, like absolutely, of course, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, and if History some of really Viol- great movies are not that enjoyable right. to watch. History like, of Violence Schindler's List is not enjoyable. Right, History of <laughs> Violence is not an enjoyable movie. It's you'll have a good time watch. Like you'll like it, and it's great, and you should watch it. But it's not you're not you're not going to bring the family around and watch History yeah. of Violence. And you, know? you already watched multiple times either. Like I say, it's yeah. something you'll watch every. Now and then, yeah. Um, so I, I highly recommend uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang as well, which would make it our winner, Randy, Woo-hoo. with the first win Already. of the podcast. I know if, if the head didn't need to get any bigger, we just made and it. We'll never, yeah, we'll never hear the end of yeah, this. We're like 37 on. episodes in 20 years from now. When, when the next thing happens, Randy's gonna be like, Hey, remember when we did that podcast? Yeah. podcast and I won the first one, <laughs> um, but yes, all right. So the official first Hollywood video guy, uh. Hollywood Video Guys recommendation is going to be Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. So please go and watch that. All right. Uh, if we, we didn't spoil the entire movie. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. If you've already watched, there's it, not it a whole lot to spoil though. Like it's. Yeah, yeah. I think that one was. I think that was I, one I we did the least spoiling. Least spoiling. Yeah. Because yeah. I feel like there's there wasn't a, that Which was works of out the nice. three yeah. that was the one where it's like it had the least spoilers. You don't have to talk plot specific yeah. stuff no, at yeah. all. You're not watching it for the story either. Like, the plot, it's, yeah, it's the there. plot is irrelevant. Yeah. yeah. All right. Anyway. All right. So great job, guys, on our first podcast. If any uh, ends up listen, anybody ends up listening to this, thank you. Uh, any final thoughts you want to say on our movies or the podcast or what you're looking forward to in the future? Dead air. No. Oh, were you killing me here? I don't know. <laughs> Anybody? Listen, I'm just excited that, you know, we've been talking about this for a long time. Yeah. I've talked about it for a long time. Procrastination is awful and evil. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad that we finally kicked something off. It's going to be pretty great. I don't know, I'm just more excited oh, to yeah, see what yeah, we exactly. talk about. I'm just, I'm just glad also, to get it done. Yeah, for me also, and make it's the second episode a lot better. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. But this is also just a great way for me to uh, get into movies you know easier because yeah. like you talk, talk on there's the beginning, a social right? aspect like, to it that you lack when you're just watching movies by yourself that plus for me it's like there's times them. where like i can't decide what to watch like we we're talking about mm-hmm. earlier yeah so it's like with this where it's like we have an objective anyway it was nice that i a lot of stuff. had to watch three movies. yeah exactly. so it's like it you're kind like, of felt oh, like work at the same like time yeah, yeah it was like homework but at the same time i was like okay cool like it was it was really fun to watch these movies too mm-hmm. you know yeah yeah i i really like talking movies with y'all i think that like we've all have very similar tastes and we can talk deep thoughts about these movies too which is really cool and really break them down in greater detail and that's what i hope to do in the future with y'all and uh, other than that anything else we want to say before we let it go no all right well thank you for listening to us today the hollywood video guys enjoy your rentals they will be due back in the next episode and we'll see you then goodbye friends Bye, y'all. hollywood video we get what you want